Thank you for listening to the Giving Light Podcast. We are a family church and world outreach center. Our heart is to empower you to walk in true freedom and equip you to impact your world. Please visit our website at givinglight.org to learn more about us and our many resources, including original music by Brave Music, e-courses for leaders, tools for raising powerful kids, and more. If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you and praise you, Lord God, for your love. I thank and praise you for a move of your spirit. I thank you for personal revivals that are bubbling inside of our hearts. And Lord God, it's going to culminate in in corporate revival that's going to bring transformation, uh, not just to our lives, but to our communities, to our nation. And so Holy Spirit, we just come and ask that you move today, that you speak today, that you reveal your heart today, and that you position us in the name of Jesus to receive all that you have for us in Jesus' name name. Amen. Um, Stephen wanted me to share this morning uh, about my trip to Nicaragua. It was probably, and it was prophesied different, I was getting different words from different ones in this house, um, that it would be 10 times more impactful than any other trip. And I know what the last 16 years have held in Nicaragua, and I thought, how could it be 10 times more impactful? That would be pretty big. And as God orchestrated the whole time, I recognized that what he did was position me with leader after leader after leader after leader. And guess what? When you influence the influencers, you have much greater impact. You could talk to a thousand people and you've impacted a thousand. You could talk to a thousand leaders and you could be impacting hundreds of thousands. And so it's really important to recognize that what we always see externally, we do not see the ultimate fruit that's going to take place. And that's exciting. And so except for Sunday services and uh, for being on television where I did a a program, which which is always fun when I go down there, except for those, everything that I did was leadership which you know that's my passion. And so from the first couple nights, and I have the picture up there whenever they get it, the first picture, but on the first couple nights, it was with all the leaders, uh, the the people that I'm connected to, they have a church uh, that divides the city of Managua up into 12 zones. And each zone has their pastors and their their leaders and all the ones that run all these uh, different zones. And so what you see on a Sunday morning isn't all that they're reaching. In fact, they let what they let each zone know who should come to church at what service. And um, so it's really amazing. And um, I did their leaders, and there's like 400 leaders. Can you imagine just your leadership being 400, you know? It was just amazing. And it was like main leaders. It wasn't just all the helpers. It was the main leaders and uh, functioning in both business and ministry and building the kingdom of God in the city. And it was really beautiful. And so you can see the picture uh, of that. And uh, it's just really exciting to see how God is building the body. And yes, they have their pastors. Yes, they have their key uh, individuals on staff, but you know what is building 
the church and building the kingdom of God in that nation and impacting surrounding nations is 400 people. They might not be called as pastors or apostles or prophets or evangelists or teachers. They might not make their income from what they do behind a pulpit. But they are transforming the city through their leadership impact. And I think it's really important for us to understand that because years of quote-unquote religious traditions of men We have looked to those that stand behind the pulpit to do the work of the ministry when in actuality, we're to equip people to do the work of the ministry. And God is placed in every single person. In Ephesians 1.4, you know I've talked about this before. But in Ephesians 1.4, it said God chose us in him before the foundations of the world. So before he created the sun and the moon and the stars, he knew you, he planned you, he purposed you. Your life is not a mistake. Your life is not an accident. He put absolutely everything inside of you that you would ever need to accomplish your purpose on this earth, your ability to literally release your contributions to society and see God's kingdom come and his will be done in and through you in your spheres of influence. Say, I'm powerful. God made you powerful. And so it's not just certain individuals, every person God has created saved and unsaved. He made them powerful, meaning he gave them a free will. He gave them authority. When God uh, planted man and woman in the garden, he gave them dominion. They had the responsibility to store themselves and to store their resources, correct? They had the power to do that. And so those that are walking out of that authority, God is able to increase the leadership influence that we have in our spheres of influence. Why? So there can be reformation to society. Reformation means to rescue from error and return to its rightful course. That's really important to understand because wherever God has planted you, you get to rescue people from error. I came home and Grammy told me that there was three who got saved this week in in the nursing home. That was rescuing someone who lived a long, long, long life at the very ends of their life. They're looking and they got rescued from error and they are positioned for all eternity. That's leadership right there. That's a manifestation of love. This This whole worship service was affirming to me that what I want to share with you at the end of my communication is really the Lord. And I was just going to share a few minutes, but as we went through the worship, I go, uh, just be prepared, honey. I think I'll take over the whole thing, you know, Um, because uh, we really need to recognize not just God's love, but we need to recognize the power we have to release God's love in the earth. And so uh, after those days, we went to a, a city called Chinandega. It is the hottest place in Nicaragua. And Nicaragua is already hot, and so Chinandega is hotter than hot, all right? And so we went to Chinandega, and there there was over 100 leaders that were gathered, and these leaders were business, governmental, and ministry leaders. So I still had a lot of freedom uh, to do everything from a biblical perspective, but uh, it was such a powerful day. And 
Uh, many of you might remember my story when I was in when we were in Washington D.C. and I was ministering, and a, a woman came up to me, and she was homeless. I don't know if any of you saw that on on Facebook when I posted it, but she was homeless, and she came up for me to pray for her. And my heart, I felt so much love for her. My heart just broke for her, and I just wrapped my arms around her, and I hugged her, and I kissed her cheeks, and, and um, so. After I loved on her and I prayed for her, she hands me $5. No, there is no way I'm taking $5 from you. Come on. (laughs) Do you realize what that meant to that woman? And she says, I'm not giving this to you for you. I'm giving you this for me. And so I knew I needed to take it. It was so hard to take it. But I'll tell you, God wrecked me that day. And it was almost like a personal revival rose up on the inside of me because I began to think of the scripture about the the woman that came with just her, her two mites and she put it into the offering. And Jesus was standing there watching what everyone was giving and said she gave more than everyone because she gave everything she had. You talk about love. She so loved that she gave everything that she had. That little homeless woman, because of her love for God, she gave everything she had. And I mean, you know, I would just think about that and I would just cry and cry and cry. And I said, God, well, I give everything I have. Where is my heart? Would I give everything I have? And, and you know, it's obedience to God. It's not, it's not doing it to do it. It's, it's the heart posturing. See, generosity isn't what I give. It's the posture of my heart. And so, you know, I I just, I tape that $5 bill right above my computer so I can see that all the time. And when I look at it, it's like cleanses my heart. It brings a purity to my heart. Well, now in Shinodega, among all these leaders, there was this very influential couple and they brought their 13-year-old daughter with them. I didn't know she was 13. She was so gorgeous. She probably thought she was 19 or 20. Uh, But here I found out later she was 13. And I prophesied over her. And as I prophesied over her, she just wept and wept and wept. God did such a beautiful work in her heart at that moment. And then they left. And after everything was over, they came back. And that 13-year-old girl came. And she came to give me her sixth grade graduation ring that she was so proud of. And she gave it to me, went to reach out, and everything inside of me, no, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go here again. I don't want to be wrecked again. I don't want to take. Can you imagine how valuable that was to her? But before I left, thank you, everyone who sends me words, words of the Lord. But uh, in one of the first days, Laura sent me a prophetic word. And she said she saw that there was something, I probably won't get this exactly right, but there was something dealing with giving, and I'm not going to want to do it, but it's very important that I do it because of the impact that it will have. And when that girl went to hand it to me, so I'm looking, okay, what do you want me to give, God? Where should I give? And I'm thinking about me giving. And when she came and handed me, went to hand me that ring, and inside of me, go, I don't want to do this. I'm going, oh. The word, I've got to receive this ring. And you know what? It had such impact on her. 
And I took it, now I've got that taped right aside of my a $5 bill above my desk. God is showing us how deep his love is for us, but how deep our love can be for him. So then I move in and, and it was kept on moving and they surprised, thing, surprised me with things. And so the next day I was going to go on television. And um, so I was all prepared for that. I was dressed in, you know, a little bit nicer in the right colors for TV. And, and since it's air conditioned, I knew I could wear a little bit warmer things. And then they let me know, oh, by the way, we are going to, you could put up the next one, we're going to the marketplace. And there is about four leaders that own actually that store right there, and they are wholesalers. And uh, what they're doing is gathering all the business people in that part of the city. It is, it's really called the market in that part of the city. And they're bringing them together, believing God for reformation of their city. There was 122 business people. Not all of them were believers. Not all of them were exposed to uh, the prophetic or any of those things. And so, you know, you had to adjust how you communicated. And so uh, they said, Melody, we want you to talk for 30 minutes. So, you know me, I don't like to wing things, you know, just go with the flow. I like to be prepared. And then however God flows from what I prepare, then I feel better. Well, I just went and I said, Lord, I don't have time to prepare. Either it's sleep or prepare. And I was so tired, I went to sleep. And, um, but that was such a beautiful, beautiful time. And God just rose up and he touched their hearts. And it was just amazing. And so look, in the marketplace, and there was an air conditioning in there. And so with all my TV clothes and my TV makeup and my TV hair, all those things began to melt <laughs> in the presence of Managua's humidity. <laughs> And I'm sitting there, and like water is running down my back, my makeup, you know, my hair is frizzing up, the whole thing. And I go, well, hallelujah, it's okay. And so after that, we went to TV, and I preached with the frizz and the messed up makeup, and uh, I cooled off once I got in there. But it was really a powerful day. And as, as I began to start and I began to speak, then it, you just saw people getting out their iPhones or whatever kind of phone they had, and they're videoing it all over the place. They were videoing it. It was, it was such a beautiful impact there. And I got to prophesy over quite a few people that day. Um, then there was other things, but I want to talk about Monday of last week. And I had the opportunity to speak before pastor's wives. And um, these were some of the most influential churches and ministries in Nicaragua, and it was their wives. Now, a couple of them might co-pastor with their husband, but most of them have the role of the wife. I never fit that role really well. <laughs> and so I thought, Lord, what do I say to these wives? Because guess what? You know, there's Erin. She, she's in the marketplace arena. Like, she's fulfilling God's purposes for her life. And there's Joel. He's in full-time ministry. Do you know what? She pays a price. She invests. 
She sacrifices what she does so that he is released to do what he's called to do is powerful. You know, not just she, but the children. My kids know what it's like to grow up in a pastor's house. And I remember the early days when I was just the pastor's wife. And I remember my only responsibility was to sit there and look pretty. (laughs) And you know, when you're 25 years old, it's easy to sit there and look pretty. That doesn't last very long, though, however. So either I was going to discover my purpose and be faithful to the call of God in my life, because there's only so many years you can sit there and look pretty, right? But even there, I did not do a very good job of it. The fact is, when there's a call of God upon your life, it leaks out all the time. And so it's leaking out. And, you know, Stephen is expected to straighten up his wife. I'm not allowed to go into his office because the pastor's office is holy ground and women are not invited into holy ground. I know this shows how old I am and the way the church was all those years ago. But the price I paid and all I knew is I had to walk in love. I really didn't understand what that meant but I needed to walk in love. So every person that attacked me and criticized me and condemned me and was critical of me, I would bake them a pie. (laughs) Now, if you knew how good I cook, no wonder they might have given me a hard time. But (laughs) so my focus was, okay, you treat me bad, I do something nice for you. But the fact was my heart was so wounded by those things, just so wounded. And so uh, I prepared for the pastor's wives, but I thought, I just don't want to give them a sermon. You don't want to touch their heart. So I began to tell them some of my crazy stories about being a pastor's wife. And they're going like, (laughs) you know, they know what it was like. And so long story short, I got to really invest into them. And the thing I'm going to share at the end of me talking about Nicaragua, I want to share with you because it so impacted their lives. It impacted so many leaders on this trip. Uh, you, if you watch my Facebook regularly, you've probably seen it. But I really want to share it this morning. And everything deals with God's love and our love. And it brought so much freedom to these to these ladies. And as I began to go through that, uh, they began to dialogue. Well, what about this? They'd ask me questions. So it went from speaking to them to having dialogue with them, hearing their heart. It was just awesome. And so it was just such a beautiful day. We went on for like two and a half hours when it was going to be an hour. And they said, we don't have to leave. We don't have to leave. And then I prophesied over all of them. It was just beautiful. And I'll, I'll tell you more that happened there in a little bit. But then I went to a city called Matagalpa. And hallelujah, it was in the mountains. So it was like 10 to 15 degrees cooler than Managua. And so I was excited about going there because of the cool. Plus, I love, I love the people there. And about three years ago, I was there. And this young pastor, he was in a very rigid, uh, legalistic type 
setting where he pastored. He was very successful. He built a church in that city for about 800. He was very successful in that city. But God was calling him out of those things to really release the call of God upon his life so he would not be bound by a a lot of religious rules, but where he could really walk in obedience to the Lord. And so he stepped out. He gave up 15 years because this he had he had a lot invested it was his financial security it was all that he was and he left it three years ago he left everything not knowing how he would make money not knowing anything so I met him three years ago and they had this little room probably to hold about 25 in a little hotel and that's where we met So I was expecting to go to this little room in this little hotel with about 25 liters. I get there. We go up to like the top of a mountain. And here, it is like, did you ever go to the big open air um, Jesus festivals or something like that? They had this big thing like that, big stage, all the metal, but it was open air. And it was huge. And then they had these really nice rooms to the side. In three years, he built this. Miracles took place. He has so much favor, not just in in his city, but the surrounding cities. And that place was filled with hundreds of leaders in government, in business, so many uh, important business leaders. It's a place where so much of the Nicaraguan coffee comes from. There's so many big businesses with coffee. And then there was a lot of uh, ministry leaders as well, probably about 40, 45 ministry leaders among them. And it blew me, it blew me away. And I thought, look, look at some of the obstacles they face. But when you're really willing to love radically, you know, just like that homeless woman, just like that 13 year old girl. And we challenge ourselves to stretch ourselves beyond our resources, beyond who we are to trust in him And I'm not saying you do anything foolish. I'm just saying we walk in obedience. So it was an awesome time there. And then afterwards they said, would you mind praying for a couple key pastors? (laughs) When they say pray, that means prophesy. You have to translate it properly, okay? So that means prophesy over it. And so we went into this hallelujah air-conditioned room, but it wasn't that bad there, but it was nicer in the air-conditioning. So we went in there, and they began to file in there. And I go, okay, like, how many is coming in here? And so, like, about 45, 40, 45 uh, pastors came in. And uh, I thought, well, Jesus, here we go. And um, so they trained them to pull out their phones and to push the the button when I would come to them and almost every one of those leaders never heard of a prophetic word, let alone received a prophetic word. There was a whole lot of crying going on. And I just felt like so broken and so humbled because we are so used to the prophetic We're so used to the apostolic. We're so used to our freedom. We're so used to worshiping unhindered, you know, his reckless love for us and our reckless love for him. We're used to those things. And then when you go into a place where you realize what we so take uh, for granted is like gold to them. It was so beautiful. And so that was an amazing day. 
And uh, uh, I won't go into all the other things, but I will say on Sunday after church, uh, because in between the services, they bring them in. When someone walks in you didn't know, that means get ready, you're going to prophesy over someone. So when you're done preaching, you just prophesy until you go out to preach again. And so um, uh, there was one family that came in, and uh, I began to prof- I prophesied over them all. And then the father came up, and he's, he asked if I would pray for his son. And his son is in soccer, and soccer is a very, very big deal, especially if your goal is pursuing professional soccer. And he's a very motivated young man, and that, that's his passion, is having a career in soccer. And so about a month ago, he hurt himself playing, and he was in so much pain. Long story short, I said, okay, Lord, give me Pastor Steve's. I didn't say that. Give me my sweetheart's anointing, <laughs> you know. I, I knew I needed, because, uh, you know, I know what I do. And, you know, Harold, he flows in the miraculous. You know, and I can pray for people and they get healed and everything. But, like, these were big things. And so it's like, okay, where's the healing team, <laughs> you know. And, but it was me. And so guess what? Every believer can do it, even if it is not your dominant anointing. The Bible says that we, all of us, can lay hands on the sick and see him recover, right? And so, um, so he was in a lot of pain. And so I prayed for him. And then he bent over and he goes, wow. And then uh, I said, is, it, is your pain gone? And I remembered how we train everybody here, right? Is that pain gone? And they said, it's, he said, it's much better, but I still have a sharp pain here. So I prayed a second time. Well, it's, it's still there. Prayed a third time. It's a little better, but it's still there. Guess what? The fourth time he was completely healed. That young man was smiling from ear to ear. I mean, he had gone to doctors. They had done everything they knew to do. He just, um, he wasn't getting healed. He was getting worse and God healed him that day. And uh, so that was Sunday. So on Monday, when I had the pastor's wives, um, somebody mentioned, okay, so now we're connecting on heart, the pastor's wives and myself. We're connecting in, in heart. They feel open and they're comfortable with me. Hey, after hearing all my crazy stories, they're going to feel comfortable with you. You know, hey, if God can use her, he can use me. All right, we're okay. And um, this one woman came up and said, you know, I fell and my... There's so much pain in my hip, and the pain just won't go away. And um, so long story short, I prayed for her. She was healed. She was shocked. Remember, a lot of these aren't exposed to the things we're exposed to. So to be healed was absolutely amazing to them. And uh, so she was all excited. Then another pastor gets up, and she says, oh, well, I've been having all these pains in my shoulder and I have to go get these injections and the injections are so painful, but it's not helping the pain. And I have to go through so much pain to get rid of the pain, but it's not getting rid of the pain. And she said, they said, I have something wrong with my bone and something wrong with the fluid in my shoulder. And long story short, prayed for her. And it was a a progression, you know, well, I think it's better to all the way. Oh my gosh, it's gone. And then another lady gets up and she said, she goes, those same shots she gets in her shoulder, I have to get them in my foot because I have so much pain in my foot. And so she just whipped off her shoes and put her foot up there, you know. And um, so praise God. God healed her. And they were like so excited. It was just such a move of the Spirit of God. It was just, it was such an amazing trip because of the impact on the 
the ones that we reached out to. And uh, when I go back again, I'm going to go back in February, not later on this year. I'm going to go back in February because they are in the process of getting um, licensing to be able to bring training to government and business. And that's the, the pastors of this house. And he was in the Central American Parliament. So he's, he, he's very much governmentally minded. So many in the family are in government and business. And, and so he's getting those certifications. He goes, next time, we are going to where you'll do things from the marketplace perspective. What you do in, uh, through your company, that's what we want. And we're going to rent halls that will hold 1,000 to 1,500 uh, to bring in the governmental leaders and bring in the business leaders in the city and in with, within the nation, which, does that make me happy or what? So I'm really excited about those things. And so uh, thank you so much for all those who prayed. Thank you for those who sent me prophetic words. Everyone was right on. You know, Nikivia, you're not here, but if you're listening, Nikivia, she sent me the very first day about she saw this heaviness and she saw this oppression. And, um, and so when, I won't go into the whole thing, but when I went to the meeting that night, I go, okay, if she saws it, I trust that she heard the voice of the Lord. So uh, I, I shared what I was going to share, and I said, um, how many people have, like, a heaviness and an oppression and blah, 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 and, like, the majority of them raised their hands. And then um, I said, well, then I want to teach you something, and I began to teach them what I'm just going to share with you now. And at the end of that, there was such a break, such an atmosphere that shifted everything. And you could see them going from darkness to light. You can see hope rising. You could see that there was apostolic wisdom that came and shifted their mindsets so that they not only realized how powerful they were in God, but they knew how to properly manage that power so that they could love as God loves and they could be loved as God wants them to be loved. And so it, it's those things that you have shared have been so powerful for me because I really take heed to what God is speaking. It doesn't have to come from me. It has to come from him. And when it comes from him, it's going to bring a manifestation of his purpose. He reveals to heal. And I better, hey, come on, this isn't fair. I have five minutes to do this? How, how did that happen? Okay, are you ready for this? This is some apostolic wisdom, all right? See, God has called us to love. He doesn't say just love your neighbor as yourself. He says, I have a higher commandment. He said, I want you to love people like I love you. Oh, it's easy to love you because you love me. But... God says, I'm not to love you like you love me and I love you. I should love you like he loves you. Okay, if that isn't heavy for you, I don't know what is. If that is our goal, if that is our objective, living in a fallen world, that can feel challenging. It can feel unsafe. It can feel scary, can it? Because I'm just setting myself up to get walked all over. I'm setting myself up to get, you know, crumbled up and thrown on the floor and stepped on a few times, right? And so we must recognize that truly powerful people, powerful people are free to fully love 
others unconditionally. This is important because if you realize how powerful you are in God, you have the ability to love the unlovely. You have the ability to love those who hate you. You have the ability to choose the fruit of the spirit. And I won't teach this whole sermon because I'm only going to do it in two minutes if I can. But the fact is the fruit of the spirit is love. I have to choose it. And we know it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of me. We recognize we all have gifts that come from God. I can't take credit for my gifts. You can't take credit for your gifts. Correct? Because they came from the Father. But what we are responsible for, what God requires of us as sons and daughters, is to give back to him through the fruit of the Spirit. He's saying, I've given you power. You can choose love. You can choose joy. You can choose peace. And you know what? Everything in life wants to disturb the peace, but in the midst of chaos, we can still choose peace. It's a choice we make. It's an aspect of emotional maturity. It's an aspect of surrendering ourselves fully to the Lordship of Christ to say, right now, I want to hate you, but I'm going to choose to love you. Right now, uh, my feelings are hurt. Right now, I want to cry. Right now, I'm struggling. But, you know, I'm going to choose peace in the midst of this. The little video, I said, oh, that was very good, Katie, because that fits what I'm going to talk about. Powerful people change what they can. That means you do what you can do. And they choose peace in what they cannot there's some things I can't change. You heard, I can't change my height. I can't change my age. I can't change my wrinkles. I can't change my past. I can't change my family of origin. I can't change the injustices that came against me. I can't change all those things that I regret, that I wish I would have done this. All the wish I would have, could have, all those things. I can't change that. I have no power to change it. So my only recourse is to choose peace, which is the fruit of the spirit, which in actuality is a gift I'm giving to God. He's saying instead of being controlled by the external, instead of being controlled by the things that you can control, namely people. See, we feel powerless because if I feel I'm responsible to change you and you don't change, then I feel powerless and I'm angry at you because you're not changing. But I'm powerless to change you. It is liberating. It is powerful to be able to sit back and let people Manage their own lives, but I manage mine. And if somebody's going to get in my face and they're going to curse at me, guess what? I can choose to walk away. I can choose to say this is unacceptable. I can choose to say if you want to have relationship with me, this is unacceptable. Oh, man, I used to think that love was letting anybody do whatever they want and you just allow it. Oh, if I would have known these things years ago, but I can't change the past, right? So here's some wisdom. Granting every person, granting all full access to our hearts is not loving, wise, or healthy. And we think that me opening up and letting everybody in the world into my heart, I want to lead them to God's heart, right? I want to demonstrate God's love, but it is not loving wisdom, and it's definitely not healthy to let anyone into my heart and do whatever they want to do with my heart. No. 
Don't often hear these things in church, but listen. See, there is a freedom because there's no fear. There's a freedom to fully and unconditionally love everyone, love everyone, when we are able to determine the level of heart access we should give. See, I can love totally unconditionally, but I look at Larry, and there's different things that he's done. I go, you know, I love him, but I'm not going to grant him access, which I have granted you access, but, you know, just illustration. Okay. I'm not going to grant him access. How many of you ever put your hand in the fire and it got burned? Ouch. I don't want to do that again. I don't want to go through that again. I'm not going to experience that again. So I shut down and I walk in frustration and anger and all these other things. I feel powerless when in actuality, I just got to recognize I gave them access to my heart that they shouldn't have been given. Think of Jesus. You think, well, I don't know if that's spiritual or scriptural. Look at Jesus. He had the multitudes, right? He loved them all. God so loved the world. While we were sinners, while we were enemies, God loved us, right? He went, Jesus spoke before the multitudes. He spoke to them in parables. He just told them stories. You know, this is what the kingdom of God is like. Oh, do you know this is what the kingdom of God is like? He demonstrated the love of the Father. But when he came back to his disciples, he said, let me tell you what that parable means. See, they had a level of access to their heart, a level of access that they earned because they chose to follow him. I listened to Joel's message last week. Amazing. If you didn't listen to it or hear it, you need to hear it because Jesus said, if you want to be my friend, you're going to do what I say. And it's not this legalism thing. It's like, I, if you do what I say, then I know I have access to your heart. So I'm going to give you access to my heart. So guess what? We're friends. Friendship is based upon mutual giving, mutual loving, mutual investment. But even among the 12, Jesus had the three and he had the one. Well, he wasn't very godly. He was God. Okay. <laughs> Every song today was an invitation to say, let me love you fully. And I want access to your whole heart. Scripturally, you'll love the Lord. You should love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, all your might, mind, and strength. He wants full access to us. And there might be a lot of people who are saved, but they haven't granted Jesus full access because they don't trust him. They don't, have, they don't have a heart and a mindset towards him. They don't understand him. When something goes wrong, they blame God when it's the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Hey, when I was molested from the time I was two years old to nine years old, that was not my God. That was not his will. That was not his way. That was not his purpose. That was not his plan. It was perverted people who used their power to hurt a little girl. That was a strategy of hell. But guess what? The devil is damned if he does and damned if he doesn't. If he harasses you, guess what? God promises us double portion, double honor, double inheritance. If he leaves you alone, which he won't, if he leaves you alone, you just walk out destiny. But if you're powerful, 
and you make choices that align with heaven and you choose the fruit of the spirit you have already because perfect love casts out all fear and when fear is gone you are positioned to receive everything that God wants to release in your life so I gotta hurry up so healthy boundaries are a God thing and healthy boundaries simply keep the bad out and let the good in I'm going to love you but when you function in a way that is inappropriate when you function in a godly way when you treat me with disrespect and dishonor and you devalue me I'm just gonna not grant access to my heart turning the other cheek doesn't mean you let somebody beat you up it just means you don't retaliate and you know what when you're powerful you don't have to retaliate and when you're powerful you don't have to allow inappropriate behavior one of our codes of conduct for this house is really respecting the boundaries of people we are a huggy place come in you get hugged right I mean it just kind of happens when you walk in the door but you know if someone says I'm uncomfortable with hugging guess what we don't hug them we honor people's boundaries you say well it's out of woundedness that well let God heal them so I have some questions I got to do this fast because oh my goodness oh help me Jesus all right we can do this all right and then we have communion so I really need to hurry so I'm gonna ask questions they're gonna go up in the screen so if you want to write them down put them in your phone or whatever but in your relationships now we know we can fully give Jesus access we can fully get the Holy Spirit access to our hearts we can trust him he loves us correct but we need to recognize who do we give access to and there's level of access there's deep deep full heart access you know you can have a cup of water it can right now this bottle is full but you know I can grant less access so the bottles empty I could fill it up just a quarter or an eighth or a half see I can choose I can choose the level of access I grant someone so here are the questions everyone that you can say yes to you recognize that that's a level of access you can give them if you say no to these questions then the last scripture I'm going to share is guard your heart don't give access all right number one do they avoid emotionalism drama gossip and criticism if you hang around somebody who is a gossip they might be gossiping to you about someone else so it doesn't affect you but guess what the moment you do something they don't like they'll be gossiping about you so guess what if someone is a, a drama queen or king they wear their emotions on their sleeve am I gonna love them yes I'm gonna love them fully but I'm not gonna grant them the level of access to my heart all right do they honestly and authentically value you it is so important we want people to value us for us not what we do not the platform we have not the title not the position but just simply love us you know according to science 
Our brains, our bodies, our very DNA is wired for love and validation. And if we're not loved, authentically loved and authentically valued, we're going to emotionally suffer. But you know what? When I recognize someone doesn't value me and I don't give them access to my heart, then guess what? Their devaluation is not going to affect me. And where we get into trouble is we keep opening up our heart because we want to be loving. You know, come on in. I'll love you. I'll love you. And you come in and you treat me bad and you talk bad about me and you gossip and you complain and you do all these kind of things and I still let you in. Huh. I have chosen. I have chosen to allow that person to dishonor me. Do they really value me? Do you trust them to protect your heart? There's someone sitting in this room, and they know who they are, but they protect me like they're like a, a bear. When they think someone is showing disrespect, dishonor, hurting me. And they don't go out and do anything with it. But they communicate to me exactly how they feel. And they'll do whatever they can to protect my heart. You know what? When someone protects your heart, hey, you can have that. You're going to protect it? Hey, I'm to guard my heart. If you help me guard my heart, that's, that really rocks. All right? Do they protect your heart? Do they both give to you and receive from you? Relationships that only take, take, take don't give access to your heart. But if they receive from you, but they also give to you, and I'm not talking stuff. Is there an exchange of life? You know, Every relationship goes two-way. It's never just one person. Come on. There needs to be that exchange of life. Do they have pure motives and unselfish agendas? Through the years, you know, God has really blessed us with different platforms of influence. And there were some individuals that I knew pursued relationship with me because they had a motive to get something. They gave all the flowery, lovey, ooey, gooey words and all that kind of stuff, but it was try to manipulate, control, try to gain something they couldn't gain because I was the one like on the road to get there. Man, when someone has pure motives, we can open our heart. I love this one. Do they ask for forgiveness? Do they forgive quickly? Are they quick to forgive you? And do they ask forgiveness? I know one day I called and I was in my builder type A personality mode, get the work done mode. And I called up Katie and I just started communicating. I need this, 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 this. And I hung up the phone and I go, you stupid person, you, what did you just do? So I called her back up and I said, I am so sorry. Immediately I asked for forgiveness. She goes, oh, you're just working. She, she didn't put a lot of credibility on my lack of love because I was focused on what I wanted, you know, at that moment. I wasn't mean, but I was not, hey, good morning. Hey, I love you. I mean, it was none of that nice stuff, you know. It was just, 
But you know what? She forgave, she probably forgave me. She probably even hold anything against me, but I needed to do that. She goes, you know, it's okay. You didn't need to do that. And I go, yeah, I do need to do that. Cause see, if I want to be a safe place, I have to repent quickly. Are we perfect? Is there anybody here? Perfect. You never make a mistake. <laughs> you never have a little grouchy moment, a little bad attitude every once in a while. Everybody's got it all together, right? All right. Okay. And so the fact is we know we don't. So when we miss it, we don't beat ourselves up, but we immediately repent. You know, I can't stop you from doing what you're doing, but it's how I respond to what you're doing that I'm responsible before God. Correct? So somebody can do really destructive things towards me or against me, but it's not that that's going to hurt me. It's how I respond to it, whether or not it's going to hurt me. Forgiveness and forgive quickly. Do they love you without your title, position, or what they can get from you? See, some people love because they want to be loved back. Some people do for someone because they want someone to do for them. They got this little plan that if I do this, this, and this, then they'll do this, this, and this. And really, whether it's conscious or subconsciously, it's manipulation. Okay? Do they celebrate your success without competition or rivalry? Oh, remember, we're all created to be loved and valued. Think about this. Man, God moves and you're blessed. We're going, yay, God. We're not in competition. In fact, powerful people complete and they complement one another. They don't compete with one another. When someone doesn't compete with you and they're not jealous of you, guess what? You can open up your heart. Do they share their hearts and listen to yours without judgment? Who is going to say, this is what I'm struggling with, if you know you're going to get beat up? Do they focus on controlling themselves rather than trying to control you? Smile. We are all responsible to control ourselves, correct? And many times we try to control another person or someone tries to control us because that's how they know to get their needs met. And oh, oh I shouldn't have talked about Nicaragua. Uh, but when, because it took my time. But Stephen's mom, she, I mean, now if I look back, I would do things so much differently. But as a young married couple, his mom had crippling arthritis and, and she was hurting and had just a really hard, hard life. And, and, um, and the shame over her life was horrendous. The fear over her life was horrendous. She honestly was not loved by her husband, valued by her husband at all. I mean, it was really rough for his mom. And, um, but she would try to control us. Not because she wanted to aggressively control us. She was just trying to get us to come over and love her. <laughs> so she called, she talked to Stephen. Is it against your religion to come visit your mother? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and she'd be like really aggressive about it. It was very controlling. And to me, it was like, okay, you want to try to control me? I'm going to get as far away from you as possible. 
But now I recognize it was out of her neediness. It was out of her woundedness. And if I would have known then what I know now, I would have known how to minister to her. Where the control is unacceptable, but we're going to love you for who you are. Okay? So we have no right to control the person sitting next to us, even if you're sitting next to your spouse. All right? They're respon- <laughs> they are responsible. They are responsible before God. And you know what happens? When someone takes, makes a choice for their life and there's a consequence and you bail them out, that's entitlement. And that's destructive to their growth. Not that you can't partner with someone to help them, you know, return. But to do something for someone that they should be doing for themselves is not loving. It's enabling them to be entitled. Do they possess character, integrity, and avoid toxic behaviors? Man, if I went up and said, hey, here's a bottle of poison, drink it, you wouldn't do it, right? But toxic behaviors want to rub off on you, correct? We can, when we don't grant someone access who has toxic behaviors, we can totally love them unconditionally, but what they do or the way they act does not penetrate us. Because we haven't granted them access. Why can we go out in the street? I remember one of the biggest people I loved, you know, I knew every Satanist would think a Christian would hate them. So what did I do years ago? This is back when they were youth. I would go around the Satanists. I'd invite the Satanists to my house. That was not wisdom, but I did it. All right? I mean, I do all that because I was going, I could love them. I could go up to someone and hug them, you know, and, and love on them and tell them how valuable they were. And they're a Satanist. And I'd come home and struggle with whether or not God loved me. But why could I love them so radically? Because I really didn't give them access to my heart. They were not in a position where they could hurt me. Now, there was one time we came out of the wooden nickel with my brother, and it was, there was a whole group of Satanists around there, and I just went in among them, and one guy, you know, grabbed me and put his arms around me, and the old karate came out of me, and I broke away and, and got real tough, you know? Yeah, okay. It's hard to imagine, but I, oh, I could tell you, I won't go into my stories. So, do they treat you and others with respect and honor? Do you notice, do they treat you and others? Because guess what? If my husband treats somebody else poorly, there's going to be times where he's going to treat me poorly. Correct? How do people treat you and others? Are they respectful? Are they honoring? Are they validating? What words come out of their mouth towards others? You know, I can't, powerful people are not moved by critics and cynics and things they cannot control. I can't stop someone to be critical of me. But guess what? It does not have to control me. So guard your heart with all 
above all else. Above all else, guard your heart. And the word heart there is not spirit. It is soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. For it determines the course of your life. Do you see? It's my choices that determine the course of my life. It's not what others do. It's not what's happening in my nation. It's not what's happening in my community. It's not what's happening in my family. It's what's happening in me. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I just thank you and praise you that this house is filled with powerful people. And Lord, I thank you right now that we have just so seen the love of the Father demonstrated towards us. I thank you that we are in covenant with you. We are in covenant with you. You loved us so much that you gave Jesus. And we love you so much that we give you full access to our hearts. Amen. Well, how many of you know Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing? And so we are powerful people because of the powerful God who's on the inside of us. And so we just need to be open, uh, open to what he has for us. How many of you know Jesus loved the Pharisees, but he didn't let them close? Just a thought. All right. Uh, we're going to have celebrate communion today, and I want to emphasize the word celebrate because what God, what God, Jesus said, or the scripture says in Hebrews, it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despised the shame. And what was the joy? The joy was you and I. And so uh, Jesus said before he went to the cross, this is found in Luke chapter 22, and uh, in verse, uh, verse 15, he said to his disciples, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Now we place this in context. We know Jesus is about ready to face the most horrendous, the most painful thing he will ever, he has ever faced and the most painful thing he will ever face. He's going to go suffer at the cross, but he says it is with great desire that I'm going to eat this Passover with you. Why? Because everything that he is is doing is going to be demonstrated in this covenant that he has made with you and I. And so he goes on to say, he says, for, for I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, take, take this and, and divide it among yourselves. He says, for I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of it, of the vine, until the kingdom of God comes. So what does the cup represent? The cup, the cup represents his blood. Now, we all know from the scripture that if, uh, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. But a lot of times we have just focused on the cleansing. How many of you are glad you can be cleansed from all your sin? How many of you, of, you are, of you are glad that every mistake that you have made, everything that you didn't intend to do or did intend to do? You know, 
how many of you know, how many of us will be willing to admit we did things we knew were wrong? But it's the blood of Jesus that will also cleanse us from that. Not only that, but the blood of Jesus will also empower us. It's, the scripture says in the book of Revelation, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. So we are empowered by the blood of Jesus. We're not just forgiven, we're empowered. And also the blood of Jesus is life-giving because when, when Jesus' blood was shed, it was united with the, with the Spirit of God. There is still power in the blood. I may remember that song. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. It didn't die and dry up. There's still power in the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So I'm going to ask the, um, I'm going to ask the ushers to come up. And we have, thank you. Yeah, I can do it with it. Um, we have a policy of open communion. What's that mean? That means that you are welcome to partake of the communion. If you have accepted Jesus Christ in your heart, if you believe in your heart that he is Lord, believe in your heart, that he was crucified for you, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you are qualified to partake of the, uh, the table, the communion, the body of Christ. So I'm going to ask the ushers to come at this time. Could you uh, stand here with me, dear? Yeah. Scripture says that on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. Father, we thank you that Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. So we're not just partaking of the of bread. We are partaking of the body of Christ. That's what Jesus said. Could I have the, 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 a tray there? Father, we thank you that the word of the Lord says that he, uh, that Jesus sacrificed his blood. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. We thank you, Lord God, that we're not only cleansed, we are empowered. We're not only empowered, but, we're, but we, give, we receive the life-giving blood we also receive the life-giving power in Jesus' name. You may serve the people. Thank you, Lord. I'll get it up when you're done. Thank you, Lord. Well, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. Surely he bore our sorrows, and by his stripes we are healed. Can you sing that? He was wounded for our transgressions. 
He was bruised for our iniquities. Surely he bore our sorrows, and by his stripes we are healed. One more time. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Surely he bore our sorrows and by his stripes we are healed. Hallelujah. How many of you know that Jesus did all this for you because he loved you? And he just didn't do it because he loved you. He still loves you. You know, uh, there was a period of time where, you remember the movie The Passion uh, with that Mel Gibson had produced? There was this big thing about, you know, who, who killed Jesus? Was it, you know, people were blaming the Jews because they killed Jesus. Well, you know, they didn't actually drive the nails in. They didn't actually beat him. It was the Romans. But, you know, the scripture says this. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. The scripture says that Jesus was the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. Why? Because God knew the plan that he had to redeem us and bring us to himself. So it pleased God to bruise Jesus so that you and I could be made like him. The scripture says that when we receive Christ, if there's any, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. All the old is passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Thank you, Lord. So, Father, we thank you right now in the name of Jesus, Lord God, for the body of Christ. We thank you, Lord, that we not only remember the, the physical body of Christ, but we remember the body of Christ that is in this room. Each and every one of us are part of that body of Christ. And so, Lord, we don't want to take for granted. We don't want to undervalue. We don't want to depreciate the body of Christ that is in this room. So we not only remember the body, of, the body that was wounded for us, but we also remember the body that he raised up. We re- with that in mind, we receive uh, the bread. And Lord, again, we thank you for the precious blood of Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, the blood that Jesus shed for us on Calvary will never, ever lose its power. So we thank you, Lord God, that we are to do this in remembrance of him 
until he come. So we know that Jesus is raised from the dead. We know that he's coming back. And we, we celebrate his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and the cleansing power of the blood in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I'm kind of torn right now. I want to sing Power in the Blood, but I think it's a little out of my range. <laughs> but there's another song. The blood that Jesus shed for me Way back on Calvary The blood that Jesus shed from day to day It will never lose its power For it reaches to the highest mountain And it flows to the lowest valley The blood that gives me strength from day to day, it will never lose its power. Hallelujah, let's stand. Bless the Lord. Of course, my, I didn't get to minister my message, that's okay. But I just want to leave you with this thought. Silent, silence weakens Christianity. Silence weakens Christianity. So even if you're singing, singing the song of the Lord, you are breaking the silence. You are breaking the silence. How many of you can sing the song of the Lord? Hallelujah. Well, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you again, Lord God, for the body of Christ. We thank you that as we come together in the name of Jesus, we receive your life, we receive your strength, we receive your power. And Lord God, we thank you for each and every one in Jesus' name.